following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. Jeremiah, the second chapter. But my people have exchanged my glory for worthless idols. Be appalled at this, O heavens, and shudder with great horror. And then Jeremiah begins a series of eight steps downward that God's people had taken. And we read this today and we say, Jeremiah, what are you talking about? Why are you saying such things to God's people? Or in our minds we say, obviously Israel was very wicked and Judah was very wicked. 
but we're not. I've been in the church a long, long time. I was raised in the church. I've been in little churches and big churches, mega churches. And I've seen one thing through the years. In my lifetime, we have learned how to engineer on, to soldier on. And always when I ask about it as a young man, I was told, pray for revival, Ray. And I did. And we soldiered on. Nothing changed. And I watched as we in the church became more and more enamored. More and more enamored by our technology, by our luxury. And so we would spend some time going to church and we would pay some tithe and offerings and then we'd go back home to our lives. Busy lives, full lives. And then the cell phone took the place of the Bible so that we constantly, some people up to 150 times a day will check their cell phone messages. What are they expecting, a message from God on their cell phone? I don't think so. What I'm trying to say is that I can't soldier on anymore. I've been reading Jeremiah. I've been weeping. I wasn't sure I could even come and do a broadcast today because my heart is so broken. Now I tell you what I've done. I've carefully looked through my life and I have broken off everything that could possibly stand in the way of the Lord. I'm allowing no more distractions to my heart. I'm not allowing my emotions to lead. I'm not even allowing my love to lead. I want what Jesus wants. And there has to be a change in the American church. There is devastation in the National Prayer Chapel. There's devastation in my life. There's devastation in the modern church. We may not recognize it because we've soldiered on so long with everything being as it is. But where is the fountain of the Lord flowing? In our anger, our judgments, our bitterness, our determination to do what we want to do, we have cut off the spring of living water. 
And so I've taken action to cut off everything but the spring of living water in my life. And some of those decisions have been exceedingly painful and caused me much weeping. See, Jeremiah, he begins to speak to the people the word of the living God. And in Jeremiah, the second chapter, verse 13, my people have committed two sins. The first is they have forsaken me, the spring of living water. No, they didn't intentionally forsake the spring of living water. They had their thirst quenched, and so they went out and found other things to distract themselves with. And then it says, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Or you could say they have dug cisterns in the sand. Now again, a cistern is simply a large holding place for water. So if you don't have running water in your home, like I didn't as a child living in Bosler, Wyoming, Dad would go to the railroad car and they would bring in a railroad car filled with water and everyone in Bosler would come in with their milk cans and they would fill those cans with water. They would take them home and dump them into their cisterns. Now, if your cistern was cracked, the water would drain away and you would have no water. You could not go to the store and buy bottled water. They didn't have bottled water then. How have we dug our own cisterns, broken cisterns? Well, let me be very forthright. In the church, we stopped confession and repentance. We said, we don't want to hear that convicting word anymore, you doomsayer. Instead, we want happy praise and worship we want to be inspired when we come to worship. We don't want to weep or confess sin. We want to be inspired. And then we want the pastor to stand up and preach a sermon, telling us some jokes, making us laugh, telling us some pretty little stories, and taking a few points out of Scripture and, and applying those now in a pleasant way for a strategy for success in our lives. And then we go home. Oh, we have some coffee and donuts. We have some fellowship. We talk with our brothers and sisters. And then we go home. So we've dug our own cistern. This is not the way church was meant to be. It's not the church that was even a hundred years ago. They used to have what they called revivals in church where the Spirit of God would come and refresh them, bring deep conviction of heart. The Welsh revival, that's what it was. A refreshing from God. How many years has it been since we have had a true refreshing from God? And so what do we pour in our cistern? We pour programs in our cistern. In our cistern. Vacation Bible school goes into the cistern and all the other programs of the church. 
the men's Bible study and the women's Bible study and the, and the preacher and the music. We pour everything into that cistern. The problem is it's a broken cistern. And it leaks away. And it doesn't change the culture. It doesn't change the world. It doesn't win the lost. Oh, you say, Pastor, come on. The lost come into our church. Well, are they still lost after they've been there 10 years? Are they still walking in sin and rebellion against the Almighty God after 10 years? Oh, Pastor, we have to grow into our salvation. No, that's not what the Scriptures teach. We grow, we mature after we stop sinning. We're sanctified by God. We're made holy by Jesus' blood. So today we have churches almost on every street corner. And the pastor works very hard. And others work very diligently to pour into the cistern everything they can pour in. So that they have a little bit to give the people. But where is the spring of living water? Where is the upwelling of the Holy Spirit? Where is the upwelling of conviction to turn our hearts? Now, I've had to confess very honestly... that I've been a part. And the church is a place where there often is a lot of wounding, a lot of gossiping. I've taken stands that have been uncomfortable and wrong. People have been hurt by me as a pastor because of what I've said or what I've done. Now I'm having to go back again at this point in my life and repent for each of those with people. I have to have an absolutely clean slate before God. Or I simply have a cistern. I can't live in the church any longer as a cistern. There has to be a spring of living water welling up to eternal life. There has to be a a spring that bubbles up from within the church and from within us because we are the church. Do you understand? You don't go to church. You are the church. I'm done with sister in life. I have to have living water life. Now, what is so painful to me in my own life and in this book of Jeremiah is he says, have you not brought this on yourselves? By forsaking the Lord your God, he led you in the way Now, why are you going to Egypt to drink their water? Why are you going to Assyria to drink from their river? 
Your wickedness is going to punish you, the Lord says. Consider then and realize how evil and bitter it is for you when you forsake the Lord your God and have no awe of me, no fear of me, declares the Lord Almighty. Today I have great fear of God in my heart. I need him. The National Prayer Chapel needs him. Without him there will be no spring of living water, and we will die unless we go and drink out of the river of Egypt and Assyria, the pagans. Have you been drinking water from the pagans' fountain? Have you been filling your mind with the novels, with the entertainment of the world? Have you been filling your your mind with your own entertainment from the world? Have you been gaining your satisfaction out of your job and money that you make? Then you've been drinking the river of the Assyrians and you've been drinking at the river of the Egyptians. He says, Long ago you broke off your yoke and you tore off your bonds. You said, I will not serve you. Indeed, on every high hill and under every spreading tree you lay down as a prostitute. You know, I'm reminded of that incredible passage in Matthew, the 11th chapter, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The reason we're so weary and so burdened, so angry, is that we have thrown off the yoke of Jesus Christ. I find when I want something, I often will throw off the yoke of Jesus and go after what I want, even if it's something good. I can't do that anymore. I want to be yoked together with Jesus. I take his yoke upon me, and I'm being taught by him. And I'm being taught to be gentle and to be humble in heart. Now, I'll be honest, I don't like that very much sometimes. I would much rather be right and have my way. And when I take that position, I hurt people. People are wounded. Friends are wounded. And some of you listening today are precious friends, and I have wounded you. The Lord has called me to 
humble my heart. To wait on the Lord. I want to read a passage of scripture in Isaiah. Isaiah 66. Isaiah 66, verse 2. Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being. This is the one I esteem. He was humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. That word, humble, means to be pressed down. So you're not standing up tall. You're bowed over. Contrite means smitten, maimed. Today, I am pressed down low. I am smitten and I am maimed. And I am broken hearted. I'm broken hearted by my own casualness my own soldiering on no matter what happens I'll make it through no I won't no I won't I can't make it through at the National Prayer Chapel without those God has called to be a part of that church I can't just tough it out and I won't We don't like to be smitten or maimed. We want to walk in the fullness of our own strength and our own ideas and our own powers. But Isaiah said, this is the one I esteem. This is the word of God. He who is humble. Contrite. Contrite in spirit. Who trembles at my word. And he says, they've chosen their own ways, and their soul delights in their abominations. So I will choose harsh treatment for them, and will bring upon them what they dread. For when I called, no one answered, and when I spoke, no one listened. They did evil in my sight, and chose what displeases me. Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word. you're saying pastor why are you talking to us this way it's because all of us are guilty we have all turned away and soldiered on we can't do it anymore we need each other we need the body of Christ I need you I'm inviting you to come this Sunday to the National Prayer Chapel. We are going to hold a solemn assembly. 
time to humble our hearts before God and be contrite. A time to hear his word and tremble at it. A time to pray, to bow down. I invite you to come to the prayer chapel and participate in a solemn assembly before God. When I look at Jeremiah, the one thing that I see over and over and over in the book of Jeremiah is the Lord rebuking and then loving. Can I say this? to you and have you understand we have I have made many mistakes we have in the church made many mistakes as we soldiered on it's time to stop making those mistakes and it's time to humble our hearts and come together in solemn assembly and wait upon the Lord. For we need the spring of living water to well up in the National Prayer Chapel. But first we have to clear away every obstruction. Frankly, some of the obstructions have been put there by me. Some of the obstructions have been put there by the wickedness of perhaps your heart. When I read through this wonderful book of Jeremiah, it seems that it goes back and forth between judgment and the grieving heart of God who says, when will my people come and humble their hearts before me? He says, they've turned their backs to me, not their faces. Yet when they're in trouble, in trouble, they say, come and save us. Where are the gods you made for yourselves? Let them come if they can save you when you're in trouble. For you have many gods. In vain I punished your people. They did not respond to correction. Have I been a desert to Israel or a land of great darkness? Why do my people say we are free to roam? We will come to you no more. People have forgotten me days without number. And yet in spite of all this, you say... Verse 35, this is Jeremiah 3, verse 35. You say, I am innocent. He's not angry with me. But I will pass judgment on you because you say I have not sinned. This seems to be the struggle that we're involved in. We have in the church 
soldiered on for so many years that we don't even recognize that God is absent from among us. We have our doctrine, we have our theology, we have our practices, we have our rituals. But who is saying, where is Jesus? Where is the Holy Spirit? What have we done to turn the Holy Spirit away? How do we repent when we don't even know what we've done wrong? How do we repent? How do you repent, my brother, my sister? When we've not been immersed in reading the scriptures and we've not been spending much time in prayer and weeping before God, how do we even know what we should repent of or repent for? He accuses them of of prostitution. Well, let's define carefully what he's saying. In Psalm 106, verse 39, that's 106, verse 39, they defiled themselves by what they did. By their deeds, they prostituted themselves. So literally, in the scripture, when you become angry, you are prostituting yourselves. If you go to the book of Galatians, let me read this for you. I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Now he's going to identify plural, not singular, plural, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what are we looking at? We're looking at the reality that by our actions, we, re- we cause the Holy Spirit to withdraw from us. And the end result will be losing heaven. I have often been involved in discord and dissensions. 
they are sin. And when I cause discord and dissension, I have sinned. And I've been spending a great deal of time trying to identify every area where I've caused in my life dissension or discord. And I'm asking Jesus to please forgive me. In every place where I have allowed myself rage, I am asking the Lord to totally remove that from my heart. I'm asking the Lord because if I don't, it cannot be removed. I do not want to be the source of discord or dissension or hatred or idolatry. All of these things block the Holy Spirit from bringing revival to our hearts and it blocks the spring of living water from flowing in our life. If we participate in these things, the Holy Spirit will withdraw from us. And then all we're left with are our cisterns. And then we have to soldier on and fill them up with good things. As the church has no power to touch the world. And we wonder why. Because we are still utterly given to our to our idolatry in our sitting in front of the television, watching the sports, as our life slowly drains away fighting with a brother or sister, disagreeing, judging, gossiping, all of which blocks the living spring of water. And we're left with just a cistern to try to fill up with human knowledge and human teachings and human entertainment. And the church then becomes a business and as the business we pay our salaries we do our jobs and we're utterly casual I can't engineer on I can't soldier on He says, you have defiled the land. This is chapter 3 of Jeremiah, verse 2. You have defiled the land with your prostitution and wickedness. Therefore, the showers have been withheld and no spring rains have fallen. In other words, there is no harvest. And so the church becomes like a grocery store that is locked and the employees inside eat all the food and refuse to give it out. 
And when the food's gone, they try to manufacture some more. Grocery stores were not meant to be manufacturing centers. They were meant to be a resource where people can come and receive life, receive food, buy food. Well, the church is supposed to be a grocery store where you go and you buy food. How do you buy it? Well, at no cost. You buy it with your commitment to Jesus Christ. You buy it by walking clean before God. You buy it by laying aside your anger and your bitterness and your judgments. You buy the food in the church, which is always springing up out of that living water, the manna, literally the broken body of Jesus and the spilled blood. What happens when the church runs out of the broken body of Jesus and the spilled blood of Jesus? Can I tell you? Look at the American church and you see a church that's run out of the broken body and the spilled blood. And instead they brought in their own crackers and their own wine, their own grape juice. Now, I'm not denying that we do as much good as we can do. That's not much good for the pagan going to hell. That's not much good for the person who is so discouraged and so depressed. They finally take their own life because they can't find any food in the church. All they can find in the church is washed up humanism washed-up doctrine. But no flowing water from the Holy Spirit. And so there are no showers that would bring the crop. Can you hear my heart today? I want the Holy Spirit. And I want my brothers and sisters to walk with me and pray and cry out to God and get right. I want to get right with them and I want them to get right with me. We want to remove every barrier to the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. It was during the reign of King Josiah. The Lord said to Jeremiah, Have you seen what faithless Israel has done? She's gone up on every high hill and every spreading tree and has committed adultery there. Her unfaithful sister Judah saw it. I gave faithless Israel her certificate of divorce and sent her away because of all of her adulteries. Yet I saw that her unfaithful sister Judah had no fear. She also went out and committed adultery because Israel's immorality mattered so little to her. She defiled the land and committed adultery with stone and wood. Judah did not return to me with all their hearts, but only in pretense, declares the Lord. So the great revival that Josiah led, the Lord is saying, 
It was pretense. It wasn't real. And that's why Nico killed Josiah. The Lord took him out because Israel and Judah finally were hardened to a place where they would not serve the Lord God of heaven without pretense. He says, Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord, and I will frown on you no longer, for I am merciful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your guilt. You have rebelled against the Lord your God. You have scattered your favors to foreign gods under every spreading tree and have not obeyed me. Return, faithless people, declares the Lord, for I am your husband. I will choose you, one from a town, two from a clan, and bring you to Zion. And then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. So it's clear the whole nation will not turn. But I'm interested in those of you who do desire to turn. I want to talk with those of you who have hurting hearts today because of brokenness between you and a brother or sister, because someone has treated you wrongly, I want to talk to those of you today who are conscious of the casualness of your heart before God. And you want to change that. I want to talk to you about Jesus. Because if we will return to Jesus... He will once and for all cure us of all backsliding. He says, if you will return, put your detestable idols out of my sight, no longer go astray. In a truthful, just, and righteous way, swear as surely as the Lord lives. Break up the unplowed ground, do not sow among thorns. Circumcise yourself to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts, you men of Judah, you people of Jerusalem, or my wrath will break out and burn like fire because of the evil you have done. Burn with no one to quench it. This is the reality we are now in. I read James, the fourth chapter, for you. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people. This is Pastor James, New Testament church. People who came into the church under the teachings of the apostles. 
Do you think it's going to be any different today? James 4, verse 4, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? What makes these people adulterous? It's not talking about sexuality. It's talking about being friends with the world and coming to a place where you say, I want what the world will give me. And you go to the cistern system. You collect things and you put it in the cistern and that's where you feast and feed. Not on the living water. Says anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intently or intensely? God opposes the proud but gives great grace to the humble. Where do you stand with Jesus today? Do you have a spring of living water welling up in you? I do, but there have been things blocking that spring of living water. And I have had to, at the direction of the Spirit, clear all of those issues out of my heart and out of my life. And now I wait on Jesus for what he will give me. For I cannot reach out my hand and take for myself. I've spent much time praying today with others and the cry of our heart has been Jesus send the rain send the Holy Spirit heal our broken hearts confessing that Jesus is enough this casual laid back soldiering is going to die and be wiped away when the music stops because everything in the cistern is going to rot away to nothing and then what will be left for you and so I am actively working in my life to be certain that every thing is removed that stands between me and Jesus or between me and another person I have no ought against anyone. I recognize that others may be upset with me. And if you are, would you please forgive me? If you have been offended by my teaching and my ministry and by my life, please forgive me. I simply come wanting to lift up Jesus. He's my heart. Some of the years of my life have been very, very painful. 
the loss of loved ones. Very, very painful. The loss of hopes and dreams. Very, very painful. Beyond, beyond my ability to speak about it. But through all of that, what I want is Jesus. He's my heart. And I need a great deal more of the flow of the spring of living water through my life. And I am committed to doing all that is necessary to free that flow of the Holy Spirit in my life. Are you? That's why I'm inviting you for Father's Day to a solemn assembly. We'll begin at 12 noon. I invite you to come and and be a part of a solemn assembly. As we come and honor our Father in heaven, how could we celebrate Father's Day? You say, well, I want to be with my Father. We'll bring your Father to the Father. That's what he needs. He needs the Father. We need our Father which art in heaven. I invite you to come on Sunday to a solemn assembly before our Father. We're located at the All Saints Anglican Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. If you come in the lower lobby door, go around to the back side of the church in the lower lobby door, it's ground level, double glass. Come through those doors and on the left-hand side you'll find the worship center for the National Prayer Chapel. It will be, in many ways, a standard worship service, but what will be happening during that worship service will be a solemn assembly. We'll have time to set the mic up and and let you share whatever you want to share. We're going to pray. And as the Lord leads, I will give a message. If you're tired of drinking from a polluted cistern and you want the spring of living water, I invite you to come and be a part of what God wants to do with the National Prayer Chapel. But if you belong to another church and God has called you there, you're welcome to come this Sunday to visit and be a part of this. You don't need to belong to the National Prayer Chapel to come. We will welcome everyone. But I ask that you would come. I also would ask that you would consider tithes or offerings to help this broadcast stay on the air. If you would write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And if you would, please make your check out or your money order out to the National Prayer Chapel. 
market Pilgrim's Progress. We have just two minutes left. I want to finish this passage in James, the fourth chapter. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. These are hard words, but they're holy words. I look forward to seeing you soon. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Oh, His glory.